0: Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, You know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guests, we might get into a little bit of politics. But mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter pinned as the tweet is linked to UNICEF. Which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. This is a creator-owned spotlight. We're here to talk about a new campaign that launched on Zoop today. Uh, the campaign is for a book called Dead Dreams, and I have the writer, Brittany Matter, and the artist, Dalen Ogden, here to talk about it. So, ladies, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate uh, you letting me get a chance to look at the book. It's a very intriguing idea. Uh, I guess we'll start with you, Brittany. Why don't you tell everybody the elevator pitch? What's the book about?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, the book is a horror-edged sci-fi thriller. Um, think Fringe Meets Orphan Black. And it follows timid Pina Axeltree uh, who's looking to live out her dreams of becoming an actress and when she does she takes a tonic to do so and ends up in a parallel world more sinister than her own
0: so. yeah and it's uh relatable in the way that we all have dreams and i especially want to talk about the idea of sort of missed opportunities and regret because that seemed to be something that was kind of there like so many of us think well If I'd just known then what I know now and my life could have been, you know, it's sort of that uh, kind of a what if scenario. Um, But before we get into all that uh, kind of digging deep into the themes, uh, I wanted to ask you, Dalen, how you uh, came to be involved in the project.
2: Um, So actually, in this case, um, I was working on a different book called uh, Miranda and the Maelstrom, Mm -hmm. written by uh, Riley Beale. Um, And uh, the premise of that one was basically that um, the main character, Miranda, would uh, hop between dimensions uh, as the plot required it. And every new dimension that um, the book took us to, also we brought on a different artist. So the art style would change wildly with the narrative, which was Mm -hmm. cool. Um, And Brittany was the editor on that book. So we met through working on that project. And then after that was when Brittany approached me and was like, Hey, you want to make comics together? (laughs) And um, she came to me with a, with a fully, fully formed script. Um, So that is how I came to, uh, to, to get on this particular book.
0: Cool. I'm interested uh, in learning kind of how you developed the look and feel like how, how did, you know, did you nail it right from the start or, or what have you? But before we get to that, uh, Brittany, how long did it take you to develop this idea? Is this something you've been kind of noodling away in the back of your head for a while? Did it just show up kind of fully formed in your consciousness? Like, give us a, an idea of kind of the um, the development of the project.
1: It's definitely uh, been noodling since about 2016. Um, and I think I I reached out to Dalen in 2017 or 18, maybe. I'd have to look back at my emails. Um uh, I actually started off with a completely different team for the pitch. Uh, Harry Connor was the artist um, and the letter was Ariana Maher. And I learned so much from them and uh, we, there were some scheduling conflicts. So then I had to build a new team and found Dalen through Miranda and say, you know, Riley Beal really. Um, and yeah.
0: So, In terms of of the way the book looks i mean because when we're talking about comics obviously it's so much about you know the sequential art the visual storytelling aspect of it once dalen came on and you guys started talking about the look and the tone you wanted to go for did that in any way solidify the idea of the story or the plot did it help develop it Did it uh, influence the direction at all once you knew kind of what dalen's style was going to be and what she was going to bring to the project visually
1: um you know so we started with Harry's pitch pages first uh, and so Dalen had a really good jumping off point looking at those pages she, um Dalen already had character designs to work with um so i think that that helped influence the the first universe um, and then Dalen if you want to talk about your colors for yeah the parallel universe um you know Harry actually
2: like they laid such an amazing framework for me that in this case I felt like I didn't have to do a lot of guessing or too many iterations because I really felt like I looked I looked at their initial pages and their designs and I felt like they nailed it you know so it was less about trying to like figure things out and more about trying to Um, build on what was already there and add my own voice to the chorus so to speak
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um so that was really cool like i haven't i haven't ever really done it that way before where i was working off of somebody else's concepts and designs um but uh in this case yeah like they they really especially laid the groundwork for the first universe and so after that you know like they had a little bit of the second universe as well to look at but it was really just about like enjoying sort of the Push and pull of the contrast between them too. Um, so, especially in terms of like color palettes, um, they have like really obviously different uh, color palettes depending on where you're at uh, in in the worlds and in the universe. Um, and so, getting to explore that was really fun.
0: Yeah, you, uh, I would think that in a way that would be a challenge to make sure that you're, like you said, your voice is, is coming through. So, was there uh, you know, like you said, you had the character designs and kind of the, the framework. Uh, was it back and forth at all with you and Brittany once you came on the project? Just to say, okay, am I am I heading in the right direction?
2: Um, you know, I don't really remember us having that much of an issue. I really felt mm-hmm. like because Harry's um, work was so like concise and clear, um, it was really easy to sort of like use that as a springboard to jump off because there was still a lot of stuff that I had to invent an ad for myself you know it was um in their the pitch work that they had done like they did the character designs but they had only done the first six pages of the comic so um yeah so I had done all of the rest of the designs and including like you know kind of the initial stuff from from the second universe um so it was uh definitely Very cool to have like those first blanks filled in for me, but I still feel like I had a lot of chances to flex my own sort of like design sensibilities and my own sense of direction. And I don't recall us ever really butting heads over it, you know. I feel like I kind of approached with like, okay, this is what I did, and Brittany was always like, all right, great, sounds good.
0: (laughs) So it was almost just like you had a a head start, but what Harry did wasn't maybe so far from what you might have done had you started from the beginning.
1: Yeah, I really felt like
2: um, like they are a very talented designer and and person, and so i really felt like a lot of what they did was stuff that like if anything it pushed me to take those first couple of pages especially farther than i might have taken them on my own mm-hmm. um so it was really cool like um i felt like they gave me like an awesome framework to work off of
0: yeah that's really cool uh, well, going back to this idea of uh, of dreams and and the, the title "Dead Dreams," right away, I think it it kind of pulls you in because um, it does talk a little bit uh, or sort of speak to this idea of of regret. You know, like a dead dream, something you've given up on. You know, oh, maybe in high school I dreamed about being a a sports star or a ballerina or or whatever. You know, the crazy dreams we have when we're kids before we. I mean, nobody ever thinks, "Well, I'm going to be a, a you know." a grocery store cashier or, you know what I mean? Like, but somebody has got to do it. So uh, talk to us a little bit about developing that idea, Brittany, in, in terms of what you want to explore and how you want it to be relatable to people. Because I think I, I would say every single person, even, you know, the most successful movie star or singer or whatever, everybody has dreams that don't come true. So I think we can all relate in that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, I I think I was unhappy at my job at the time and thinking about my dreams that I didn't pursue for, you know, all kinds of reasons. Um, so that that's kind of where the idea came from was thinking about, okay, like maybe what's next, what, what would make me happier, maybe pursuing a different dream of my own, um, And yeah, I imagined, you know, this sort of surly vendor selling dreams, uh, kind of like snake oil, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and dagger is in the shot here, which is hilarious. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I think that, and really there, there is something that I think everybody can relate to in that regard. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, and when we talk about that, you know, you talk about well, when I was a kid, I had this dream or that dream. I wanted to be this or that, and then you know, like we said, reality sort of sets in. Um, But I think the other important thing to keep in mind, I mean, I the job I have, I I work in IT uh, as my day job, and that's something I, I, you know, certainly never dreamed about doing when I was a kid. But like when I sit back and I look at it objectively, I have a really good job, and I, you know, I enjoy it, and. It, it has value, and so I mean that is a good lesson that, that maybe if your dreams don't come true, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a, a failure or something went wrong. And obviously, we don't want to spoil, but you're certainly going to be taking a Pina on a, a journey. Um, and I wonder if we might head in in that direction. Everybody has regret, but at some point, you have to sort of let go. You can't live in the past, can't live in regret. You'll never be happy, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, when it comes to uh, the idea of a uh, story structure, you know, we do know that, uh, as you have me- both have mentioned, there is a a second world here, a second universe, as you referred to. Will we be seeing other universes, or are we just going to be focused on the these main two uh, in the story?
1: In the the story so far in issue one, just these main two, for the most part, um, you might get a glimpse of another universe. Uh, and I have written out the rest of the series, uh, in terms of scripts and the outline. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'll show you a different universe (laughs) in some, some of them.
0: So you've written the rest of the series. So, uh, you know, assuming that that you successfully fund on Zoop and everything goes according to plan, how many issues are we uh, are we talking about doing here?
1: Five issues.
0: Five issues. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, you have this particular story to tell with with Pina, and you know, hoping you get to to, to tell it all to have all five issues come out, maybe a collected edition. The concept, though, is so much bigger than just one person. I mean, you could. You could almost do an anthology, or you know, an ongoing with all these different people that come up to the booth to, um, you know, to try out different different dreams, different potions. Uh, do you have more ideas for other stories in this in this kind of world?
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, I I think that I've just told Dalen recently that one of the characters in the first issue I want to tell more. I want to explore their story even more uh, like maybe in a backup comic or something. And you will get to like, learn more about them in even the next issue. Um, But I think that just like digging deep into the characters that we've introduced already, it does open up, you know, kind of a can of worms of like, Oh, I can just write all of this forever. (laughs) Cause there, there are a lot of opportunities with this, this booth is like setting. The dead dreams
0: booth that is. Yeah, I mean, we do see more than just Pina visiting the booth in the first uh, in the first issue. So you know, yeah, you could branch out in all kinds of different uh, directions. So that's that's definitely interesting. Uh, in terms of, of Pina's Pena's voice, um, you know, like I said, she definitely has regret. That's that's clear. And when she goes to the second year, verse she's she, she sort of she's not sure. She's unsure of herself. She's unsure of her, her role, her footing. She's still, you know, trying to discover what exactly is going on there. Um, how challenging was it for you to, to find her voice? Uh, you know, you mentioned coming up with the idea when you're unhappy with your, you know, your job or your career. So the, that portion of it was probably uh, maybe easier, but she still needs to be, you know, a fully fleshed out person with, you know, other aspects of her personality. So um, how easy was it for you to, to script for her
1: Um, on a scale of one to 10, like (laughs) 10 being, you know, the easiest or the, yeah, the easiest. Um, Maybe, maybe a seven. Mm, Okay. Um, I think that I got to know her more after I saw the character designs and Um, I think that really helped me visualize her better, um, and, and seeing her sort of her timid expression and, you know, the sweat on her brow, for example, um, how she's just kind of nervous. And I think that, that helped me find, find her voice that she's just unsure and, kind of in disbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think, and then my editor, Heather Ayers, helped me keep her voice consistent. So that, that made things a little easier.
0: That's interesting to me, especially if we approach it from a visual aspect, Dalen, because we're talking about the same person in both universes. um, But I mean, in one universe, she she's filled with regret. She's more timid. And in the other, she's going to come to learn that she's head of this sort of nefarious organization, you know, almost like a drug dealer type crime lord, uh, but the same person. But it's got to be a, a challenge visually because you do have to differentiate. And it's almost, you know, I, I, I liken it to almost something like a, a quantum leap where she's You know, she's drinking this potion and she's leaping into this other person and there's going to be expectations put on her based on who she is in that world. And everybody expects her to act, but really she's still the same person that had all the regret in the first universe, but she can't let on too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, so visually how much of a a challenge is that? I mean, you do want to depict her a little differently in terms of body language and things like that. Right. But stay true to who she is. So is it a bit of a balancing act?
2: Yeah, you know, I would say that it's a it's a big challenge. Um, This is definitely a book where acting is king, Um, because you have so many characters who share faces. Mm -hmm. um, There is a huge amount of work that needs to be put into how they use those faces and that body language and that posture and the style choices that they make for themselves, how they dress, how they do their hair, all of that stuff. Like, um, it's in a lot of ways, it's almost easier to think of the doppelgangers as two different people rather than the same person in both universes. Because I think narratively, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're seeing is two people who are parallels for sure, um, and who have sort of parallel situations in in which they have um, you know found themselves in or grown up in. Um, but those those parallels end with how they choose to, um, react to those situations and how they decide to, um, how they decide to, uh, allow those situations to sort of, um, dictate the course of their lives. Um, so in that case, like in this case, you know, it's like, you see some of the early art for Pina and then for, for Matron, her, her doppelganger. And it's pretty clear even by just sort of the, the initial, portraits and stuff that they carry themselves differently.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. You know?
2: Like, so rather than, you know, like a, a quantum leap thing where where Pena is very obviously um not, you know, like not matron, but trying to pretend to be matron to fit in, uh, at this point in issue one, it was really all about making it clear that she's not matron, that she's in someone else's body, that she's mm-hmm. still kind of finding her bearings in this new world that she's found herself in, she's not even a hundred percent sure that it's real at this point. And, um, she's really just trying to, um, sort of wear this appearance while she finds her footing in this new situation that she's found herself in. Um, and I think that that's stuff that will come to be, uh, like easier to spot as time goes on, as you start to see more of the characters and be able to compare and contrast the doppelgangers. um, Because it is one of those things where like, they will, it'll be much clearer because they do carry themselves differently. You'll be able, you'll be able to tell, you know, like who's who just by the look in their eye.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Body language, the way they hold themselves. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Well, I got to ask the obvious question, Brittany, Uh, you chose to do this on Zoop, which is a fantastic platform. What specifically for you made Zoop the right choice to, uh, to do this crowdfunding?
1: They, they, uh, I just heard about them late last year through another book called the nightcrawlers. And I was kind of looking for something different. Um, and when they opened up their submissions, I thought, why not? And they responded pretty quickly and offered to handle fulfillment and shipping for me and some marketing. And so I really couldn't turn that down. (laughs) So I, I was a little hesitant about, you know, doing my own Kickstarter, for example, um, and having to be fully responsible for every single aspect. So
0: it was nice to take on.
1: Yeah, it is a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially if you're the one writing as well as, or in Dalen's case, illustrating the book, but then you've got to answer logistical questions. You have to deal with printers. You have to deal with shipping stuff out returns, damages, all that kind of thing. And if you have, you know, a day job or something like that, it can be exhausting. And I'm sure you guys want to just, you know, get fully funded on the first book and then be able to say, okay, that's done in terms of what your responsibility is and start working on issue two, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about some of the the rewards uh, as interest of full disclosure, everybody, as we're uh, recording this, the uh, the campaign is not live yet, but we'll drop this episode the same day the campaign goes live. Uh, so, Brittany, do you know what some of the rewards, uh, the reward tiers are going to be for uh, for the campaign?
1: I do, indeed. Uh, so, of course, the book, it's 32 pages, and it will have some back matter and some process interviews with the creators. And we're going to have a variant cover by Liana Kangas. We'll also have an enamel pin and a double-sided bookmark and a commemorative book plate and maybe some extra stuff as well.
0: Cool. That sounds, uh, sounds fun. And of course, a digital, uh, tier as well, right. For people that, uh, maybe they're international or just prefer to read digitally. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, can you tell us any, uh, about any of your other, uh, collaborators? I know you, it's a, it's a big team that's bringing this, uh, together. Any, any shout outs for any of the rest of the team that you want to mention?
1: Oh yeah. So letter Gabriella Downey is joining us. Uh, she's worked for DC, um, on like Harleen, for example, and Heather Ayers, um, who I've collaborated with before several times, um, we're each other's like writer and editor, we like switch roles and sometimes <laughs> we co-write. Um, and let's see, Drew Wills is our flatter uh, who Dalen brought in t- onto the team and he's amazing.
2: Drew's uh, basically, he's on, me, he's on every project I do. So <laughs> on all of my books, his name just automatically pretty much goes in under mine. I hire him for everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, as a, doing the colors, which is so important to the tone of, of the book and establishing tone and whatnot, especially when you're talking about different universes where you may want to use a little bit of a different palette to differentiate, uh, color becomes so important. So I imagine being able to skip that step of doing flats allows you to kind of focus on making sure you're getting the, the tone of each page right. Absolutely. Accurate yeah.
2: Um, so what Drew does for me actually is what's kind of known as selection flats, which means he uh, fills in everything with just kind of whatever random colors. Um, so by the time he's done with a page, they kind of look like they've been hit by a clown car. Um, <laughs> but the really great part about that is that means that like all of those color fields are already um put in and easy to select right. and so that makes the rest of my process go so much faster um so i'm still the one ultimately like um choosing the the local colors for everything which is mm-hmm. like the art term for what color the thing is before you add all the light and shadow and the effects um, but uh just having his um his pass over it first so that everything is selectable before i ever have to sit down and touch the page um, saves me hours and hours and hours of work on every single one i do
0: yeah, I mean, being able to differentiate, especially because because some of those fields can be quite small, um, and so yeah, I've, I've never thought about it, but yeah, you're you're definitely going to go clown car and have you know a bright red against a bright blue if it's something yep. small and yeah,
2: absolutely, like he wow, that's and really he- interesting. The great part too, is that he has worked with me on so many different projects that he's really familiar with my work. So at this point, he pretty much nails it like every single time he knows exactly what I need selected out and what I don't because, uh, he's just done it for me so many times. Um, which is really, really awesome. Like, uh, it's, Uh, There are any colorists listening to this uh, podcast who haven't hired a flatter before. Just like treat yourself and do it. Trust me, you won't regret it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've never heard a colorist uh, that's hired a flatter or works as a flatter that's regretted it.
2: No, never. It's so wonderful. (laughs) It saves you so much time. Um, I've flatted for other people too. There's something about flatting work that's not your own that makes it like way more bearable to do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, definitely- big ups to drew because, uh, all of my projects would not be in the form they are without him.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, and Gabrielle's work is, uh, is really great too. I, I, I always say, and I, you know, Brittany, as an editor, you probably will appreciate this. Uh, a good letter is, is I liken it to like a baseball umpire. Uh, if you're talking about them, it's because they've done it. They're doing a bad job. Like if you notice them, you know, mm-hmm. they, they fly under the radar and they don't get enough credit if you're not talking about them, they've done their job perfectly because nobody ever notices or not enough people notice when a letter does a really good job. Um, but when they do a bad job, it's the first thing you notice. A comic can can be unreadable if the mm-hmm. lettering is not done correctly. So it's one of those things they get too much blame for when something goes wrong or goes horribly. They don't never get enough credit when it goes right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gabriella has um, been amazing. Um, she is, I, I just, I love her so much. I love everybody on this book, to be honest.
0: Yeah. That's always fun too. When you get a, a good creative team where it's kind of like lightning in a bottle and it, it. everybody's having a good time that comes across to the reader that people are enjoying uh, putting the book together. And the fact that it's your own book, you know, that it's, it's, uh, it's crowdfunded funded. You're building a community. You're passionate about it because it's your baby. Uh, again, all that stuff comes across to the to the readers. It's very uh, it's very much uh, fun for the readers to be able to experience that. And again, it's this idea of, of community that that, um, that Zoop is helping to uh, to foster here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as we're winding down here, uh, again, everybody, the campaign just went live today. I will remind everybody, as I always do. The best thing you can do to help out Brittany and Daylin and the whole team is to spread the word on social media, even if the project doesn't sound like it's for you or uh, if you just don't have the means right now to fund it. like Maybe it sounds, oh, I would really love to be a part of that, but I just can't uh, afford it right now. Best thing you can do, share it on social media. Let's get the word out so everybody that wants to join uh, has an opportunity to see it and go to zoop.gg and check it out. There's a link in the show notes that goes right to the campaign page so you can go and, uh, and at least check it out. Uh, I'll give you both a chance. Anything else you wanna share with our listeners uh, as we're winding up here? Uh, I'll start with you, Daylen.
2: Um Yeah, sure. If you would like to um, follow me outside of this campaign or just follow along with my screams about this campaign, uh, <laughs> you can definitely find me online. I am at Dalen Ogden, D-A-I-L-E-N-O-G-D-E-N on Twitter. And I'm at Dalen Dalen, which is just my first name twice uh, on Instagram. Um, And uh, yeah, that's also a great way to keep in touch with uh, the other projects that I do and uh, what else I have going on. So
0: Fantastic. Uh, And I'll put links to Dalen social media in the show notes uh, as well, everybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. What about What about you, Brittany? Any last thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I hope you come out and and dream with us. Uh, we're going to have some early bird incentives for people who jump on the dead dreams train early. Um, and you can find me on social media at Brittany Matter, B R I T T A N Y M A T T E R. And I I also write a newsletter it's weekly. It's called A Matter of Fiction, and I interview comic book creators, much like yourself.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so yep, everybody go check it out. Make sure you take advantage of the early bird specials. Uh, I got a chance to read the book. It's very intriguing, really great idea, uh, really compelling. I can't wait to see where it goes. So uh, thank you too for joining me. Really appreciate you chatting. Uh, best of luck with the campaign and uh, look forward to more issues.
1: Thank you. Thank you so
0: much. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, And to all you listeners, we want to send our uh, appreciation as well. We couldn't do this without you. So thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple.